Kia ora, everyone. I am Logan from the Stromcast Down Under. I am here today with my guest, Darren, from Team Ambition New Zealand uh, Coaching. Um, over to you, man. Love to hear a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself to the audience, and then we'll get cracking into it. Oh, sounds good, bro. First of all, yeah, thanks for having me. It was cool seeing you down in Palmy a couple of weeks ago. It's always good having uh, like-minded people around the gym and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, so like you said, my name's Darren. I'm um, head coach, team ambition, director. Um, I work at Flex Fitness here in Palmerston North um, as a PT as well. Um, competitive bodybuilder. Um, been bodybuilding since 2015 now. Um, weight training since about 2011. Had a background in uh, sport before that. Um, tried to play cricket to a high level. Gave it the same dedication I gave bodybuilding, but I probably just didn't have the skill level to match it. But, you know, I love that. So thrashed that for years. Um, rugby, golf, hockey, um, very sport um, passionate when I was younger. And still am, obviously, just can't play it doing what we do. Um, and I guess the only other significant thing to note about me is I'm a type 1 diabetic. So I was diagnosed in 2016, so pretty much a year after I started bodybuilding. So that all kind of intertwined at the same time um i probably was type one most of my life if i can think back to probably hypoglycemic episodes like after trainings and stuff and I, I remember going to the doctor a few times about those things and they just diagnosed me with low iron so you know i'd have probably probably be having low blood sugar and i'd just eat until i felt better and that's all i knew when i was younger so yeah always had a massive appetite always been a foodie always been into sport and training and naturally progressed into um bodybuilding after getting experience in the gym through for the sports stuff yeah cool man good good bunch of things that you've done um maybe we'll get started because you you did a lot of team sports and then obviously like bodybuilding we know is quite individual i, I think you know apart from your close circle you have people or maybe a coach um it's all really driven to yourself as you know we know from experience how did you find that transition from team team sports into this individual base um, approach that you have to do now? I think, like I said earlier, I'm a, an extremely passionate person. So like when I'm into something, I'm obsessed with it. So I want to know all about it, its history, how to do every variable that's involved in that. And I think um, coming from having that obsession in sport, but being ignorant to all the things that sport actually involves when I was younger, I'd be putting the same work in, but, you know, say for cricket, for instance, it'll just be catching balls, throwing balls, getting fit, not knowing all the other aspects that go into it, including nutrition um, and the mental side and all that sort of stuff. So I think when I was doing the playing team sport, I'd be, I wanted to play every single day. So, you know, I'd be the captain of the team. I'd be the coach of the team. I'd be the team bus driver. I'd be making sure they're all in uniform. Like I have a very, like, I'm a hundred percent or nothing. And I think as you go, go through your years in sport and as you get older, you realize that a lot of people start getting pulled in different directions. When you're younger, everyone's like that passionate about your team sports right yeah. but when it gets to the point like I was running a cricket club and playing you know senior level rugby and stuff and captaining the team when you're basically you can sense that you want them all there more than they want to be there themselves kind of thing and people subliminally I'm sure they're not doing it by purpose start to like understand that this guy's going to do everything we don't have to do anything kind of thing um, and I just got I, once I got into bodybuilding I found that all that I was putting in I was getting put back into myself and I was seeing the results. Whereas in a sports game, you know, even if everyone is on the same page, like say cricket, you've um, gone out there, you batted the whole innings, you've, it's 40 degrees, um, you go now and wicket keeping for 50 overs and then the guy's standing there mucking around, at the, they hit at the ball, he drops it. Now you're out in the sun for eight hours on a Saturday where you could be out with your mates, you could be doing this, you could be doing that. And I think that, like, um, I just struggled with the fact that I wanted, like, you know, even training, World Cup final for me, every single team training, whatever it is, I don't care if it's a friendly, if it's a warm-up match, if it's a post-season, everyone else is drinking with their sunglasses on, like, I can't, everything I go into, I kind of have that mentality, and bodybuilding just, you know, we thrive off that, so, like, it was, it was quite an easy, natural progression, and then I think getting diagnosed with diabetes around the time, um, 
I think the f- main thing that stopped me moving from sport into bodybuilding full time once I got interested in fitness was the fact that, you know, oh, I can't drink, I can't socialize, I can't go out with my mates. And obviously being young, early 20s at that point, those are big sacrifices to make when you're not even sure, you know, where I was. I don't know any bodybuilders. I don't know anything about bodybuilding. I'm just doing this off the fact that I'm getting enjoyment and self-progression through the gym and through nutrition. So like, I don't even know if I've got what it takes or if I've got the skills or a physique that's even worth going into the sport. So I think that's the cool thing about bodybuilding too is no one gets into it thinking, I'm going to be an IFBB pro, I'm going to be at the Olympia one day. Most people get into it. They just love training. They love seeing themselves improve. And I can genuinely say, I didn't even know what an IFBB pro was until three years into bodybuilding, you know? like um, And and there's never a promise of a, um, of a result with bodybuilding. Like, we... Back then, you probably everyone thinks they look awesome when you first start getting into it, and everyone probably thinks that when you get to the level that we're at, like say just a high amateur, or even when you get to a professional, that you think you're you've made it, and you think that you're super confident all that. But as you know, very like the deeper you get into this, the more you look in the mirror. Sorry, the mirror. The more you hate what you see, and it kind of reflects onto every other aspect of your life sometimes, you know, and it's. You just gotta break it back down and be like, "Hey, I love this lifestyle. I love being healthy. I love training. I love. Um, why am I um, so upset because I looked in the mirror and I didn't see a line in my glute this morning, or I didn't see I saw a little bit of fat on my lower back? You know, um, we just gotta. I think that's a big thing for all of us. Is um, we do this because we love it. Um, I feel like a lot of people now it's popular get into it because it's the in thing, and they especially, you know, um, say. Not to just put it to just this class, but say a young bikini girl, a year's work in the gym with pure consistency, you could, with good genetics, you could become a pro almost in that class, you know what I mean? And there's not that same like years and years, not with everyone, this is not a blanket statement obviously, but like there's not that years and years of just loving training, loving getting stronger, loving before you found, wanted to find an outlet to turn that into something. I feel like people get into it aesthetically based straight away now, which is why... The enjoyment factor is not going to last as long if you're only doing it for what you look like. Because fuck, we could look. Sorry, we could be. Um, we could wake up in the morning, love our photos. By the end of the night, we're like, holy crap, I look like I'm 20 weeks out again. You know, and this is all in the same day, bro. Right? We, so. We've all been there. Although you can swear as much as you want, man. Doesn't oh, matter. We, 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 we don't care. We're, we're Kiwis, so we don't give a shit about that. But um, on that, like. You're you're but you're bloody spot on. Like I, I remember when I came down to Palmer, you know, I watched that show, um, and then the young girl who won the overall in bikini, I think it was her first show. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent, but she was shocked that she won. She looked good, um, but and not saying that she didn't work hard at all. But as an open bodybuilder, I think people need to understand that. Like if you're wanting to go down that or even classic. Um, it is a lot of work unless you're very talented and gifted like a C-bum and, or an open body like a Phil Heath and these guys who are like the elite elite. And I think what happens nowadays is when we started, social media was a thing, but it was, bodybuilding wasn't huge on social media. Um, and then you have a, a, a person like C-bum who, man, I can talk to people who are friends of me that don't know bodybuilding at all, but they know who Seabum is. They go, you know, and that's, I think that's the problem is they like associate themselves with these big, you know, top level competitors and go, I want to be like, I remember reading a comment of someone saying, I don't want to be like Nick. I just want to kind of be around like Seabum size. And I'm <laughs> like, do you, do you know what you're saying, man? Like, yeah. like Seabum and- is like, that's the, the other big thing is people getting into it now. Say, just say, I'm having a PT consult, right? They'll come in and they'll be like, yeah, 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 I want to get some muscle. Yeah, I want to, yeah, again, I want to look like Seabum. I don't want to look like um like one of those open guys. But they don't realize that the process is exactly the same. Like, yes, there's different ways that we end things for the look that we're trying to achieve on stage. But the, the fundamentals that we're all trying to do, they're all the same. And it doesn't make a difference if you're this tall, this tall, this wide, this female, male, old, young. It's The process is probably going to be the same. And then it's going to be adjusted accordingly, obviously. But, yeah, it's I love that one. Or 
you know, oh, I don't want to be as big as you, but just want to get a little bit of, you know, that, that big one as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I hear that all the time. It's like when I, I remember years ago that people said, I want to be like around your size. And I'm like, ah, dude, like it's been, it's been years. Like I started at 62 kilos and like, you know, I get up to 105, 110 in the off season, you know, that's 50 kilos of tissue. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not like, not, you know, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, it just happened, man, overnight. But <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of sad though, like that they associate that because when you look at Seabum, I think, you know, he's got a limiting factor of a class that he has to fit into. If he didn't, you know, God knows how big he would be. Mm. Um, but they all do, everyone does the same thing. Everyone, you know, takes the same stuff, especially, you know, at that level. Um, and people, I think they just feel like, oh, because they're a, a different look, they don't, um, which is just not the case. Um, but one of the t- topics, and you, you mentioned it a couple of times about your, you know, your type one diabetic. And um, one of the reasons why I, I really wanted to bring you on here is because I think it's, it's not common in bodybuilding. Um, there are a few. Uh, that I know of, like especially overseas, open pros that compete with uh, diabetes. And I know there's one guy I, I follow quite a bit. His name's Bradley. Um, he's got it as well. But oh, cool. you know, how was that for you to deal with, like being diagnosed at the time? You know, you're one year into starting to compete. How did you deal with that piece? And uh, maybe tell us through, you know, the first initial stages of being diagnosed. Yeah. So um, I just come. In, I was starting an off season like out of my first show that I competed just before I got diabetes. And I have, I didn't know much again, like I said, in the area that I was, like obviously Shane Hunter's from around here, but like he had, he was kind of having a break from the scene at the time. It was just before he came back and went pro and brought, you know, everything back as well. So I was kind of like learning everything through, you know, what's online, through YouTube, through, and obviously I'm st- I was studying my degree at the, at the same time. So that's all becoming much more applicable to me now that I've been, especially being diagnosed with the, um, with type one, because everything that we're learning at uni, I wasn't really taking it and trying to help my bodybuilding. It was everything like, especially around diabetes and endocrinology and around nutrition and a lot of that stuff that's involved in that. It was kind of, I took it like life or death now. So everything that I was learning, it wasn't easy to learn, even though I wasn't in, like, it would have been something I probably wasn't as interested in before. And it would, you would have learned it for your degree, but it might not have stuck. Whereas everything I was learning, because it was suddenly I felt like everything, you know, my bodybuilding, my diabetes, my lifestyle, everything was combining now. And so it felt like everything was to do with saving my life. So it put a little bit of extra edge on there. Um, Following a nutrition plan wasn't following nutrition plan to get in shape. It, it is, but I'm doing two birds with one stone now because I have to track everything I eat. Obviously, with being a type 1 diabetic, every time you eat a carbohydrate, a non-diabetic's pancreas would release the insulin needed to, to shuttle those carbohydrates where they need to go in the body, muscle cells, um, excess stored in adipose tissue, stuff like that. Whereas I need to now calculate how much insulin I need per that amount of carbs, especially in that meal. Um, take that before I eat each meal and then keep, make sure I'm keeping a constant monitor on my blood sugar levels throughout the day and then make adjustments as needed. So, um, yeah, early on, obviously, when you first get diagnosed with type 1, they call it the honeymoon period where your pancreas is still kind of splurting out random insulin here, there, and wherever it wants to. So that was a really trying period because, obviously, I'm trying to find patterns by eating the same amount of food every day. Um, and eating the same food types, the same GI scale food. So I, because even like I could have kuma and potato and they'll both affect my blood sugar differently. I could have rice and potato and they could affect my blood sugar differently, even though they're both white rice, white potato. So it's like, you've got to find so many different patterns by being consistent over a long period of time. And when I'm trying to do that and my pancreas is like, here, have some more insulin. Um, I, I spent a lot of my first year low blood sugar, um, unexplained low blood sugars. So that prep was very hard because like almost daily I was having to eat over what I was meant to be eating in some form because, you know, like um, I, it could take 20 carbs to fix that low. It could take 1,020. Like during that period, that's how the range was. Um, but again, I think 
having the knowledge I was getting through study, having the knowledge through training and through doing what we're doing, I think I had an advantage because um, I had that extra bit of an importance. So maybe if I wasn't into fitness and wanting to get into bodybuilding when I got diagnosed, I wouldn't have taken my blood sugar levels so seriously. Like a lot of type ones I know. they don't. I mean, I get anxiety if I don't check my blood sugar like at least twice an hour. Like, And I know diabetics that don't do it just because they don't want to prick. And it's, um, you know, yeah. like I feel, so I used to, obviously I get diagnosed. I think it's, it's shit, you know, like blah, 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 blah. I don't know anything about it at the time. So I'm ignorant. I'm like, oh, I'm never going to be able to eat this, this, this. Plus I know it's a bit funny now, but I had the biggest needle phobia in the world. Never, I hated them. And now they're like, you're going to have to inject yourself every meal for the rest of your life. I was like, oh, I don't know about this shit. But, <laughs> um, but obviously from there, um, like I said, just having to track all my food and stuff. So that first prep was pretty hard. I didn't uh, really get into proper shape, but I stuck to the plan 100%. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was pretty hard. But, like, once I got out of that honeymoon period, I found that, obviously, as I was getting more um, knowledgeable with my bodybuilding and stuff and more consistent with my bodybuilding, um, it became very easy because I've been eating ever since I got on top of it, Sunday night, what food groups, what I'm pretty much eating the same exact meals for the same six times at the same day. The only thing that changes is the carb amounts. So I take a fast, a long lasting insulin in the morning, which is called Lantus. So I try and dose that at one third of my total daily insulin needs. And if I, and if I do that, that means when I take fast acting with each meal, I only have to have one, unit of Nova Rapid to say 10 grams of carbs. So that's kind of where I try to like to keep it. No, that's, that's interesting, man. Like, and I think it's, uh, it's interesting for people outside, even if they don't have diabetes, like what you, you know, as a competitor myself, I've done it um, a little earlier than you. I started in 2013. Uh, my first show was shit. I had no idea what to do. I couldn't ha- handle the, uh, the hunger cravings and all that stuff. That was hard. Um, but then I got a good coach for the second year and I did very well. Mm. Um, but I think any competitor, you know, you're on a regimented diet and structure. Some people really don't understand what they're eating. They just follow a plan where with you, it's like, you know, tenfold where you're like, I understand what I'm eating and I have to do, you know, be very particular. Mm. Cause like you said, it's life or death, right? You, if you stuff up, it can be quite dangerous for yourself. Um, taking, you know, what you've learned now with that through your first year to this year, do you find preps a lot easier to, to manage or? I honestly, like, I think this is why a lot of people don't realize I have diabetes because I live a normal life. I'm not letting it hold me back. And I feel if, if you're educated enough or if you have someone working with you that is educated enough on this as a diabetic, I'm not saying as a diabetic, you should be, have to be competing. And I'm, I'm not going to pretend that, the last weeks of competing is safe for a type one diabetic or do I think it's optimal? Like there's obviously ways around all of this, but like, but living a healthy um, lifestyle training, weight training um, and having some kind of knowledge around your food or having someone looking around, looking after that, that does, you can live a normal lifestyle. Definitely. Like, uh, um, yeah, it's, and, and with bodybuilding, I, um, straight after diagnosis, I, I worked with Jason Poston. Do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, type 1 diabetic, men's physique pro. He's been third in the Olympia and stuff. So my goal around that was hopefully gaining some knowledge, furthering my knowledge around diabetes and bodybuilding together because obviously that was my main thing. Um, Once I got to a certain level of mastery in terms of what I know, in terms of my nutrition, training, coaching, my degree. Like, I'm not saying, obviously, we're always forever learning, and that's one thing I'm obsessed with is upskilling and research. And like and it's like I said, with this sort of stuff, it, it sinks in because we're so passionate about it. So it never feels like like study. It feels like this is the stuff I want to watch in my spare time, you know? Um, and, yeah, I feel like... Sorry, what I just lost my train of thought. What was I saying before? That? When you were, when you got onto Jason, when you started working with Jason, yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, like I worked with other coaches. I, the problem with Jason was he was competing around the Olympia and stuff, and then at that, I think I competed and didn't hear from him for my peak and stuff. So obviously, he had a busy man. Probably has thousands of clients. But my goal with finding another coach 
was more around managing the diabetes and the bodybuilding together. So I obviously I've worked with other coaches that have done a great job with me and got my physique into great shape and everything like that. But I still feel a, a little bit of anxiety around the peaking because the, the, the problems I have are I'm either my tan is shit and that's we've found is related to my diabetes too because the most tans are at certain they're sugar based so it turns out that my skin has been eating the sugar out of the tan which makes it lose its color makes my blood sugar go up and down and up and down and what i've been thinking is uncontrollable from maybe dehydration or carbs or whatever it could have been my tan causing that um and then also just being having my blood sugar stable enough that I'm not going to go low on stage, but not high, so I'm flat. Because as soon as my blood sugar runs high, it's almost like diuretic effect. You start pissing crazily. You you dry out. You can't get a pump. You feel like you're it's like you're drunk. You know, like it's not. So that part of it, um, I'm still, you know, like obviously my last show, like I didn't look how I wanted to look, and again, that's probably around. My diabetes was okay for the show, but again, it's because I was playing it so safe around my diabetes because I wanted to make sure that variable was safe. Um, but yeah, so like in terms of prep though, like I talked about it recently on my Instagram, like I do have those times where I'm having a low and I'm like so focused and I've had like, you know, you're not eating the gram over and now suddenly you're eating a packet of lollies because you either die or you don't. Um, even though I know that it's life or death and it's not going to harm my progress or anything, I still mentally feel a bit fucked up yeah yeah and i think um just on that just for people to understand it's not actually the food that you're ingesting that affects you it's the mental effect of cortisol that then affects your body yeah yeah um i've I've been there yeah because we're like think about it just say you've gone I might have had a perfect three months where my blood sugar hasn't gone low once and I've been able to be 100% on plan and being structured and being perfect. I don't have the best genetics. I don't have the best, like, for me, the only way that makes me feel confident heading into a show is if I've crossed every T and dotted every I and done absolutely thing, everything in my power. So when it comes to having a low now and now unplanned, I might have had to have had 400, 500 carbs of shit food as well, you know, like quick sugars and... Mentally, even though I know I do this as a job, like I know that this is needed, I needed to do it. It's not. I still wake up the next day feeling like a failure. And so, like you said, mentally now the cortisol, the stress, the water retention that comes from that. Um, you you might have been feeling so good on and prep, and that's important to keep that mindset and prep. You don't have to be arrogant or confident, but you've got to be enjoying what you're doing. So you start getting into that headspace where you're like, "Oh, I look shit," and then. People are looking at you thinking, fuck, he looks amazing. And in your head, you're seeing like a poo with legs and arms, you know, like it's, it's, um, little things like that can really flip. I don't I like um, your mindset very quickly, but yeah, like I said, um, it's more around the peaking around the last part. I feel like I worked with another guy from Australia at the end of last year called Adam who works with, um, diabetics and he's an IFBB pro and he's like 130 kilos. You know, so he, he he may not be a diabetic himself, but he works specially with diabetics. And I thought that might be another outlet of finding out around some. Of, and I did learn in the two shows he peaked me for at the end of last year. I think I did learn a lot about, obviously, when you think that you know a lot about things, you in those, those last weeks, you can overthink the shit out of things and think you have a perfect plan where you shouldn't be changing this and that. And I, I think, like, in terms of some things that I used to do a little bit heavier, in terms of like maybe diuretic use or um, even water manipulation in general, like we keep water in completely, didn't touch, and it didn't affect the look. I didn't look bloated. I didn't look watery. It's like all these things in your head that you think that if you don't do that are kind of a thing. And so having a coach that directed me that way, giving me the confidence to be able to do that, has definitely left me in a better stead, um, especially working with a lot of natural athletes myself. Like, you know, like um, overthinking those last week, especially with natural athletes, is probably the last thing you want to be doing because – um, so yeah, no, I enjoyed my time with him, but again, um, this year, most of the year, I just, um, again, I struggled with the, the, the distance with him being in Australia just because, um, bodybuilding is everything to me and I don't have, I don't come from, without getting into it too much, I don't have a family structure or anything. Um, and I'm, you know, single with, you know, um, so bodybuilding is everything to me. So like, I want my coach to believe in me or to be 
push me along the same path or to be um you just show that they're supporting you know like yeah um and that's yeah, a huge thing for me i think now, um as a coach on your side and you know like in in my background i i manage people and i help people now and then that's my passion now is like i like helping people on the side um i've got a career um you you wait you you're wanting that from a coach and you're wanting that and i i always see like there's there's a lot of coaches um across the world not just in new zealand they kind of paint the same brush across everyone and say it's my way or the highway do this do that and it's like man like it's really not like that like you you need to understand what gets the best out of someone and then approach it that way um because at the end of the day they're a reflection on your business and you know one bad word against you can ruin your business at, at, at a whole and um, I think some people are a little bit too arrogant to to understand that and you know for me I've always had that approach and everyone that I help I help rugby players I help competitors I help martial artists they all will say they all get treated differently some people get a really hard you know <laughs> approach because they like it and they like I yeah. want that so um, 100% feel, bro yeah. that's the big thing is like I do see a lot of that as well as like I'm not I never promote myself one way or the other way even your question in, in the list of stuff we might be talking about is like what kind of coach you what's your coaching philosophy I don't have one every single person is completely different now I hate it when I see coaches like don't coddle your athletes you don't support them you're not their friend I'm like okay if you're working with a an emotion just say for an example you're working with a teenage female athlete that's just getting into the sport who's breaking up with her boyfriend every second week who's like like you don't talk to them how you're talking to your 35 year old open guy who just wants to be told what to eat when to train what what to do um everyone needs different things as from their coach and it's like obviously i think being a little bit more mature, mature and older now i can self-reflect and look that probably not having that family background i'm looking for team and support in everything that i do so um and i don't i shouldn't feel like that like i'm weak or wrong that in a coach i'm also looking for a little bit of mental support and a bit of um reassurance every now and then just that you know because this is we i was talking to a friend about this the other day in bodybuilding there's no one ever there that's going to tap you on the shoulder and say you're on the right path man like keep doing what you're doing like you know you're looking good you're gonna like you have the potential like everyone's got a different opinion on that so it's like it's really hard like but if you fully trust in someone and for me that trust comes from knowing that that person has my best interests at heart they i guess i want them to be good at coaching and but like everyone's we're all there's a lot of good coaches in new zealand and we're all around about the same level there's not one or one that's going to take you over the level like level than the another but for me personally um I want someone that's got my best interests at heart and is going to support me. Like, um, and yeah, that might make me sound like a emotional female, <laughs> but like that's what I need to get the best out of myself. So, mate, end of the day, um, I think it needs to be said more of and like oh, I just did a podcast before um, with someone and I talked about mental health a bit and and men and like man, I'm I'm not afraid. Like you look at me and go. That's a, most people say he's an intimidating guy in the gym and he's quite, I'm very approachable, but I'm also an emotional person. Like I, I will cry. I'll have, you know, I talk to my partner about things and we get quite deep. And um, I think what people don't understand from the outside is like every action you have, every word you say, what it, it may just set someone over the edge. Um, so just to be mindful of that, because as, as a coach, you're, you're a coach, but a mentor. Um, and they're looking at you as like a lot of them are young people, especially like you said, the young females, they're looking at you as like a, maybe a father figure or a mother figure. Um, and you know, it's, it, it is quite, I see it all the time and I get quite disappointed in that because I'm like, man, like I, you know, you know, Paris, right? Paris just competed this weekend. <clears throat> I gave him some advice. And I just said like, this is what I think you should do. Um, we talked together. I train with him every weekend and he ends up winning the overall and the best he's ever looked. Yeah, he looked um, amazing, bro. And I was like, man, I'm so happy for you. Like that, that is what it's about. And like, I got a better feeling about him winning than me competing. 
Yeah. And then, you know, for me, I was like, oh, yeah, this is why I'm not competing again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've got to say that, bro. Like, especially the weekend of Wellington, I think it was the same day that you announced that you wouldn't be um, competing anymore. And it was also the same day that Ian did that video about. Um, I'm not going to lie. Like, I go through the, like, those thoughts every single day, what you just said. Like, um, you know, the, the stuff that we put ourselves through to do this, the fact that I've spent my whole 20s doing this, the fact that, um, you're never really quite sure of yourself if um, you're going to make it and if all this is worth it. And, and then the pressure of feeling this close and I'm like, I've just done all this and if I give up and I'm this far away and then 10 years down the track, I never know if, what might have happened. Um, but yeah, like you said, with the coaching, it's like a different thing, man. Like it's, I don't, I don't care if they're the superstar or if they're the bottom of the thing. I get the same joy every single time I'm prepping one of my clients, especially like at showtime. It's like, I don't understand how some of these coaches, aren't, if they've got the ability to be there, aren't at these shows. So it'd be like, do you see Ian Foster missing the Rugby World Cup final? Like, this is what we do, what we do for. We're up there, we're seeing yeah. all their hard work and all the sacrifice and the everything they've put into trusting you and your structures and your processes they're showing that all on stage and they're and everything that they went through and achieved to get that like you said you you don't get that competing yourself the mindset around competing yourself is so very different and very yeah. but what i'm it's, tried to it's do selfish it's selfish yeah, driven. that's exactly what i was going to say but what i tried to do now is i'm like what you're talking about before is i want to treat my bodybuilding like um i'm a reflection of my team and my clients and like you said, I have a lot of people that look up to me and a lot of people that see me as a father figure or a role model or um, something that they want to achieve. And these are people that I look at their lives and I'm like, you're achieving a lot more than I am. I've just got a decent physique, man. Like, but, you know, but like to have, it's so humbling to have people look at you in that way. And I'm like, so now when I go into prep, I'm like, I'm trying to give up on that selfish goal. And it's genuine. It's It's like, I want to do it to represent them in the best way so they've got something to be proud of me and it's and yes i know that there's byproducts of that that, that means the business will grow that like everything's good with that but like, i'm genuinely that's not what it's not behind it like and i've never i've never been in a rush to grow the business like i see people being like oh i'm the best this person's the best coach or this person's the best coach i'm like who's judging this man i just want to be the best i can be for my clients and the best version and keep learning and keep getting better as a coach every single day the same as we do as an athlete like there i don't i didn't see that there's an ifbb coaches pro that we're all meant to be competing in like um i must have missed the memo but um <laughs> man it's uh it's funny you say that because like one yeah you know when you live in new zealand it's so cheap to get to you know especially for me it's like if if your clients are paying you money, which they are, they're supplementing your income, they're a part of your career, the least you can do is play, pay for a flight, maybe it's $100, maybe it's 200 mm. or drive, and then show up to the show and just watch them. You know, that's all they, one of the things they want is just that. It's like that, that satisfaction of, oh, the person who's helped me this whole time is there for me as well. And just like the, the little things. Okay, so I'm, I obviously I go to pretty much every show. I I've, I've think I've missed since I've started doing this like two client shows. One was in Australia and one I was competing the weekend after and I still fucking hated missing those. It's like, when you, and when you're at these shows, I'm walking around and yeah, you see the odd coach here and there, but not some of the ones that should be there with these, these big clients, the ones that are winning the shows, the ones that are, and I'm saying these guys don't even know what they're meant to be doing backstage. They don't know how, the running order of how things are meant to go, where they're meant to stand, how many poses they're meant to do when they get out there, like when are they meant to start drinking, pumping up, eating, and it's like they've been given a, a peak week plan at a week out, and then they're barely hearing their coaches, and I'm like walking around, these people are freaking out, and I'm like, don't worry, you look awesome, just like, it doesn't take much, but I'm like, as a coach, you want to be preparing your athlete for absolutely every variable. Like, yes, it's not your job to help them sort scan and to sort posing and to sort, but do you want them to look good on stage? Then all these things, you know how big they are. If they're doing a front relax and their shoulders like this all prep and you keep telling them, go get a massage, bro, your pec needs to be released. And they get up on stage and you knew that and you didn't just tell them that and now they're like this. 
like that reflects on you as well you know like it's little every little thing comes into it and if you're willing to put in the the work with them at every level like it doesn't take much you might not get paid for like showing them how where to get some good trunks or you might not get paid for directing them to a good masseuse or a good physio or a good whatever they need but like these are the, all these little things are what makes the big difference in the end and I feel like if you're charging a hundred and whatever you're charging a week to these people and all you're doing is good job, keep up the good work and then you don't talk to them for another week, then I don't like you're not you shouldn't be doing this because there's no passion there. I can tell you do not give a fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? That said and you know, some of these people did did give a fuck at the start because they, they needed to. Um and now and now they don't and it's um it's sad like that you see that but you know, when we circle back to some of the things you said, like, for me, you know, I, you know, Georgia, right? Like, Georgia, yeah. she calls me her big bro. And I'm like, yeah. man, that, that, for me, I'm like, that's so humbling. Like, I'm like, you know, here's this girl, um, you know, we've spoken about it a million times when we trained legs. The hour later, she ended up in a car accident. Um, I've got this connection with this girl. And I watch her, what she's doing, and I'm like, man, like you are a machine, like that is a, a, a warrior. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of just all these people who go through a lot and it, it's sad that, you know, their, their coaches are not there for them and mm. um, supporting them. And it's sad that you have to be as well. Like, I, I think if we talk on peak week protocols, <laughs> like, um, man, that peak week probably annoys me the most. Like for me, when I'm helping people, I, I'm literally telling them, look, I want to every day treat it as like a peak day and go, okay, let's find the best look. So that whole week, we're just trying to, and then how many meals was it? How much fluid? How, yeah, how, how much fluid did we drink? Okay, now we know. Yeah, and now you've got that information and then it's like, okay, what time are you on stage? All right, so that amount of meals we just need to pull that back a little bit to get that look at this time of the day like you know like and it's 100 percent bro yeah but like and also if you keep it that simple though because there's been so much other bullshit like people like sometimes when i'm like talking so my peak week thing i'm like i want to i want your weight and more night weight and photos am pm every day from at least 10 days out and then they're all like yeah they might be annoyed at that at first but they get into the routine whatever and then they're like it gets to like seven days out and they're like, hey, are you sending me my peak week plan? And I'm like, I just told you that we're in communication like AM and PM every single day. Like you're, you're, changing, you're changing food. and <laughs> Everything is changing every day. Like if you wait, I could tell, I'm going to give you your diet for tomorrow tonight. But if you wake up tomorrow and the variable information from your weight and photos and everything isn't what I want, that plan for tomorrow could change tomorrow morning again. And that's yep. part of it. That's just like like it is. Like you said, it's um. And then they give you the attitude a bit sometimes. New clients that haven't been through it before, and they might have worked with other people. They're a bit like, oh, but you're not sending me a peak week plan, so they think that it's like you're not doing it in their best favors. But that's not their fault. They're just ignorant. But because there's so many other people out there doing bare minimum, they think that's what it's what's expected. It's, it's the it's the copy. I call it the copy and paste plan. Then it's uh. Yeah, but for me, like that, what you said is exactly what I would do with clients. Like I tell them, you know, I want AM photos and then I also want photos post-training so then yeah. I can see what you look like with a pump and, you know, how we're going and then how much did you eat before training? What's your fluid intake? And then, you know, you just, it's not, I think the problem is people feel like, you know, there's this magic formula they may take. Like I've heard some crazy things in New Zealand recently of people saying take Lasix. Yeah. You know, no, no. and I'm like, okay, you want to kill someone? Like, cool. Like that's that's. I'm gonna really... be honest here, bro. Just while we're on this topic, 2019 nationals. My usual diuretic approach at the time was using Moderatic. Obviously, being you know being a um, testing experience, a lot easier to use. You can use that lower dosages, and you can kind of find your right amount for that. Right? Couldn't find any, so. What, and in my head, you know, fat boy, I'm like, fuck, I'm holding water, I'm holding water. I took a Lasix. At weigh-ins, I was 98 kilos. I woke up in the morning, I was 88 kilos. That's not a fucking lie. I lost 10, 10 kilos in a day. I didn't even eat that Friday. So, like, it wasn't, like, food and water variables. So, that shit's dangerous. I ended up in 
But when I got back to Palmy, I'd put on 10 kilos and I'd went into hospital. My neck was out here. My ankles were out here. And they said that if I'd come in an hour earlier, they would have put me in dialysis. So, like, yeah, don't mess with that shit. You know, I'll be honest with you as well. Like, a few years ago, I took something that I thought was a diazide. wasn't diazide. It wasn't um, potassium sparing. Um, and I ended up taking that. And then I remember doing the show and I didn't get on stage for finals until 11 p.m. <clears throat> and my, my guy at the time told me to cut water as well. And my legs, like I couldn't move my legs at all. I just couldn't move them. Um, and I was like, what the heck? Like I can't actually move. And then the next day I woke up and I was paralyzed literally from here down, which was crazy. And this will sound crazy to people what bodybuilders do. And I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. And, but for me, I'm like, if I knew like what I'm taking, I'm like, I know what the result's going to be. Um, and I ended up going to the hospital and I, I said to them straight away, you need to give me potassium check my potassium, my, mine's, mine's stuffed, and they checked it, and I was like, I think it was like 0.3 or something, which is supposed to be around like three years, and they were like, if you waited any longer, your heart would have stopped, and you, you know, and I'm like, nowadays, this is, this is young, you know, this is six, seven years ago, nowadays, I'm telling people, you don't need a diuretic, like, you don't, you don't need to touch that shit, like, if you're in shape, that's the, <laughs> that's the thing. And back then, like, that's probably why I thought I need, I had a dependency on them because early on I probably wasn't getting into the shape and the coaches that I was working with at the time were trying to use diuretics, which worked. So obviously when, like, don't, you can't say that this shit does not work. Sometimes you, I've seen transformations where people look off season and then they're like, stay. so that's why it's so dangerous though. Like that's one in a hundred. Like, most times, you end up looking worse, feeling worse, and all the health risks, eh? Like, definitely, bro, I agree with you. Like, and maybe maybe at a very high muscular level um, on guys using other water-retentive drugs and whatever, there might be a place for them. But for most most people, especially at the amateur level, and especially with females, like, we, we don't need to be messing about with this shit, eh? Like, there's so many natural things that you can do and proper things you can do within your processes if you're keeping a good like if you're tracking your sodium water your electrolytes throughout prep or at least have a fair idea of what you're doing and your water like when you get to that ends week if you do need to make slight manipulations it should be easy just doing it with yeah. with your water and salt yourself yeah, and, and carbs the the only thing i implement now is um peak max which uh I find very good, and it's just a natural. The dandelion root. Yeah, dandelion root. It's got um, nitrous cis gene in it, which helps with like pump. Um, very like proven ingredients that just work, and you and you know you're not going to have this risk of error of going, oh man, I'm gonna, you know, Flat like you out. said. I, I think it. Yeah, I think for me, it's like with diuretics, the margin of error to like good result is so high that like you could go, oh, yeah, I could look amazing, or you look like complete shit. Yeah. Um, and you can't, it's not like a variable that you can practice and then be like, okay, this is what's going to happen. Because the thing is, like, we don't know exactly how hydrated, exactly how much where our electrolytes are at by the time we get to that day of the show. And what we practiced two weeks ago, and, oh, yeah, we got a good look out of that, it doesn't mean that that's going to happen again. With diuretics, it literally is luck, and it's a bit... Like obviously, there's coaches probably at the highest level that have got some kind of formula, whether it involves those diuretics or not, where they seem to be nailing it a lot more than others. Like say Matt Jensen and Honey Rumbold and stuff. But researching into what they do, they do again. They've got a lot tighter control over what their sodium and water intakes are. And you I watch mean, the heard, videos, right? Yeah, they weigh weighing their water. And... Matt Jensen had people weighing their person. I mean, like Honey was like. Chris was walking around with a crack scale measuring the sodium per the meal, you know, like, yeah. yeah. And that, but again, like these guys are at a very high, and I, I worked with Matt Jansen years ago. Um, so I know, you know, what he does, his supplement routines, and he's very on the money with his clients. Like he gives a shit. Um, so no wonder his guys, uh, and I learned a lot from him. Um, I just couldn't justify the expense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like four hundred something dollars a month at the time. Yeah. I was like, mate, no, nah, I can't, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> but 
there's a reason why, like, you know, guys like Nick and stuff look like they do. And, you know, don't be, uh, I say, I say it a few times to my partner, I was like, don't be surprised if Nick wins this year. Like, he's. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, he, the main thing, A, they improve every year, but B, you know they're going to show up on stage, not just in shape, but full and dry, like pretty much absolutely every time, right? Whereas, yeah, just, just nail it. Yeah, whereas some of these other dudes could be, you know, like Rami first or 10th, you know? Yeah. like it's, it's, it's crazy, right? Um, I think the other good coach that I really, and you're, you're like me, I, I listen to a lot of people for, like Chris Tuttle for education, but um, John Dewitt is probably the, is the one that I think is, not as underrated now, but like when I listened to his peak weekend, you know, he was probably the leanest I've ever seen anyone. Didn't use a diuretic that would just tell people like, you don't need them. Like if he, you know, if this guy can get on stage and win a show. And the good thing about um, John, obviously, is he's right on that cusp of the, the two twelve where he's like, might look better in the open or whatever. And so you, you get to see a whole bunch of his thinking around what he's doing around that that process as well. And again, he's not doing anything crazy, and he's getting down to that two twelve weight cap and still looking good. Whereas, yeah, I reckon his body's probably going to be better at two twenty five, two thirty, like he's been showing. Like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, John Joy, his stuff is awesome. Anyone that should be that wants to be coaching that's just getting into it or is working with a few people on the side, like friends while they're working or whatever, go and watch his stuff or get involved in the J3 university or whatever. Like he will, he can basically turn you from, well, I'm not saying turn you into it, but like if you want a base knowledge and you know nothing about it, even as a client yourself, like if you are just one of these people that just gets directed by your coach and doesn't want an understanding, go get an understanding and look how much more you progress. Like honestly, yeah. if you understand what you're doing, when they're trying to make you suffer or they're trying to push you hard, there's reasoning behind it. And you understand that reasoning. So you're going to trust that and do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. ex- exactly. There's, um, I think you, you nailed it on there, but probably a nice segue into your coaching business. Um, when did it, when did it start, man? When, when did you start Team Ambition NZ and, um, how are you tracking now? I, I, I enjoyed, I will say like, just a side note, when I was doing cardio that day, I'm, I loved like seeing you with all your clients and stuff. And I'm like, that, that's a coach. Like I was like looking at you posing with them, helping them, instructing them. And I'm like, that's, that's what you want to see. And you guys were just all there together. And it was just like a nice I guess what Kiwi should be camaraderie of people coming together. So that's just a side comment from me. Um, but yeah, it, just, bro. just how, do, how does, how's the business start and how are you going there? Um, so back, I guess second year into competing or whatever, and I would, would have been second year into my degree. Obviously I started weight training back in, back in 2011, obviously. So like by the time I started competing, I already had a pretty good natural physique. I was probably around, before I got diagnosed, I was about 100 kilos, yeah. um, you know, like probably like 20% body fat or whatever. Um, but then I just started helping people because everyone would ask you for advice, you know, like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, and obviously, I was, my job at the time was I was a cricket coach. So I was going around all the schools out in the wider upper, like um, teaching the basics of cricket, um, school kids or rep teams like not just coaching but like the, the delivering the cricket program yeah. and then I did all my coaching credentials with cricket and stuff and I just found that I really enjoyed that like because I'm so obsessed with the knowledge and the processes behind everything I enjoy that part of sharing that knowledge and educating people probably more so than I do any other aspect of coaching um so after that I probably I think 2017 I worked with a few competitors yeah. here and there just like again not charging just getting building my experience up um it wasn't really until covid happened 2020 because um i just finished my degree like and finished postgrad and everything um i was working i've picked up probably like 20 part-time clients again but i wasn't like doing it as a business full-time so i wasn't really promoting that or mm. anything it was just a way to get so it was way for me to do something I enjoyed doing while I was studying at the same time and while I was working a part-time job and also a way to earn a little bit of extra money and stuff, obviously. And then 
when COVID happens and I wasn't studying anymore, it, I went and applied for so many jobs, obviously, because yeah. I didn't know what was going to be happening. I was living in a flat with people that I knew were going to be up to fuck all. And I was like, I can't live like this. Like, I just go get find work so I don't have to be here all day with these people. And I don't know if it was just because it was early on of the COVID, but nobody wanted to hire me because of being type 1 diabetic and it being like high risk early on at the start of COVID, which obviously it didn't end up being a big thing. But like older people, diabetics, like all this stuff, they weren't hiring anyone. So, um, and I was in prep at the time for Wellington 2020, I think. Um, oh, yeah. We, yeah, we had to, um, you know, build the gym in the house and stick to the light. And it was pretty easy prep, to be honest. It was the most, probably the best condition I've ever gotten. And again, there's no, you can't go off plan. You can't do anything. Everything was bodybuilding because life was, um, that's all I had. And I couldn't get a, I couldn't get a job at the time, like work, like an extra job or anything. So it was like, okay, I'm going to start this business, start doing this and I'm going to start promoting it and pushing it harder. So just before that show, um, so I mean, six months early, before that show, earlier at the start of the year, I launched Ambition officially, um, got it out there and stuff, picked up, you know, took that 20 to about 40. So I already had a good a good foundation of people, obviously through my sport background and being involved in, being from lots of different towns and communities and involved in a lot of community stuff. I had, I got, I had a good following of people already that kind of followed my journey and what I've been up to and stuff. So when I started coaching, I, I had a lot of interest already. And then um, Daryl McLaughlin, who owns Flex Palmy, I think he was competing in Wellington as well in 2020. And they were looking, he'd just taken over Flex and they were looking for like a you know, head male trainer to come and work there because they had a good female trainer at the time, but no male trainers. And like most, um, there wasn't a lot of young dudes or young yeah. people like training at the gym or whatever. So yeah, I took. I was to be honest, I didn't think I was like ready, not skill wise or knowledge wise or anything, just confidence wise. Like the, what I was building through study and everything was trying to set myself up to do this, which is my dream job. So it's like suddenly it's, everything's been handed to me, and I'm like, fuck, I don't know, I don't know if I'm actually ready for this yet. But I also thought this is a too good of an opportunity to let go. Like I've got to like put myself where I'm uncomfortable and go in and do it. Um, so I started there like just after that show, 2020, and then um, been Netflix ever since. And then just, yeah, from there, just like I said, working with people that I've known through bodybuilding and stuff, going to all the shows, being at shows, helping people out, then finding out they weren't working with a coach. And then, you know, people that were working with other coaches and have seen me at these shows and we think, shit, what's going on? Where's my coach? Like, why isn't this going on? And, just having that obsession and passion, like I don't, I don't go into any console. I don't go into anything with. I don't like every bit of money I make goes into my bodybuilding or into my business. I don't drive flash cars. I don't get nice stuff. I don't give a shit about any of that. Honestly, as long as I can eat, train, sleep, cook, I'm fine. And the rest of it's just trying to go back into the business to so I can get to the shows, so I can be there for them, so I can. And I mean, I'll probably spend four hours at an hour PT if I have to like with that and I don't care like I think you've got to realize that when you're coaching at the grassroots level when you're not in big cities like Auckland and stuff where you can just this is my time this is my money that's it you've got to be willing to go the extra mile especially with younger people that might have a bit of talent or push people in the right direction and give them some of you and they're like whoa this person's putting their time and effort into me and asking for nothing in return. That might be the little bit of motivation that they need that kicks them into becoming the star that you want them to be. You know what I mean? And I just, I, I needed to walk that balance a bit more, I think, because yes, I'm passionate about this, but time is money and I do need to cross that over. But I don't have business goals. Like I said earlier, I'm not trying to be the best coach in the world. I'm trying to be the best version of me and to be there the best way I can be for my clients. No stars, no mugs is what we always say around yeah. the team. Like I don't, obviously as a coach, it would be exciting to work with a highly genetically gifted athlete. Um, but I also find that the higher you get up there and I have worked with some and you give them your all, you give them everything, you teach them everything you know um, and the ego comes and they might go off to the next person and then they'll treat you like you did nothing. So it's like, 
I'm just trying to find good, appreciative people that want to learn, work hard, all of us be there for each other. Like you said, the mental health part is huge with me. Um, I'm not going to, if someone comes to me and wants to talk mental health, like that's the most important thing. Like, you know, first and foremost, um, not just, oh, just follow the plan, trust the process, work harder. Like, like we've got to like, like you, we were talking about at the start of the podcast is figure out what this person needs and how I can help them in any way. If I can, and yes, I become very close with a lot of my clients. Like um, yeah. that's probably another thing I need to walk the balance of because, like you said, at the end of a prep, these people just like see you later, and it's like to me, it's more like holy shit, that person was such a big part of my life for so long because I've been thinking about every single little thing going into it. And um, yeah, but that's like I've learned as I've you know worked with more people and more people. It's just an experience thing, kind of learn. Yeah, it will come with time, man. Like um. You know, for me, on another side, like I've managed people for a decade now, um, and you know, I I run a few leadership courses in my in my company and and all that, and teach people around managing people. And you you have to kind of, at a sense, disassociate or build that that line of going, okay, where's that line of like, you know, here are my boundaries. They're like, I'm cool to discuss these things. I'm 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 here for you for this, uh, but I don't want to get burned as well. Yeah, I don't want you know, and you know it. It is sad because you know you do build these connections and bonds for people, and like I've had managers or I've had staff that work for me, and I've taken them through the ranks when I was younger, and then they go and get another job, and I'm like, man, like I I got you there. Yeah, and then now, and now you're out, and then, but now looking at it, I'm like, oh, you know what? If I look at it on the flip side. It's because of me. Yep, yep. Even if they it. don't, and even if uh, they don't recognize that or um, appreciate that, you do learn that. You know, like I don't know if you've seen um, Million Dollar Baby or whatever. Yep. And it's yeah, at the start of that movie when he's coaching that dude, and then he gets his title shot, and then he drops him when he's about to have his title shot to go with the big promoter to get the money and stuff like that. And then, but you those you know deep down that you've had an influence and I think that's what I'm learning now and that's kind of what I want to do most with my coaching is have an influence on their lives like I want to be able to look back and be like even if they don't understand all these little things that you've set into place have set them up for a better future like you know even habits routines um get them asking different questions of themselves pushing them into different comfort zones or whatever it is um just try and leave I just want to leave that client um, coach relationship, um, knowing that I've given them and treated them how I feel I should at the end, and then I mean if they appreciate that at the end, or if they, which most of them do, obviously it's really cool. And then if they don't, it doesn't matter. Like you're gonna have another client signing up the next day, and you're gonna have to go through this whole big life process with them again. So it's like I think early on as well, it's a bit there's that financial pressure of when you don't when a client stops or you lose a client or whatever. It's like shit. This this is affecting being able to live properly but i think when you're passionate about it and you actually love what you're doing and love what you're talking about and know what you're talking about and stuff you kind of start to get the understanding that there's so many more people to come and so many more people you're going to help you're going to keep getting better you're going to keep learning you they're going to keep you know what i mean um and that's what i love about it so much it's um and the fact that they might be able to pass on some of the good things that, yeah, to other people. And I see that happening too. Even, if, you know, like some people get butthurt about that too. Like, I taught them this and now look, they're doing that with this person. I'm like, cool, influence. Yes, yeah. You know what, I'll say is one thing, man. Like, listening to what you said, um, our values align a yeah. lot. Like, I, I, look, I listen to what you're saying. I'm like, exactly how I think. Um, and Thomas, who obviously... Uh, oh, strong down, uh, strong down under NZ. He'll he'll love it as well. That's why we get along. Yeah. Um, but what you'll see is like if you stick to these values, the success will just come. Mm. It will come naturally, and you'll get the and the success for you can be the results from clients, can be gaining more clients. I know monetary is not a goal for you, but it can be the fact that you want to you know step back in ten years time and go. I influenced a lot of people in my in my career and I think it's naturally going to happen from what you're saying um, just stick to it bro like that's for me that's you know so exciting because I'm like I listen to you and I'm going 
you know, regardless, you're upskilling yourself all the time. You're going to do better every year. People are going to see it. And now, like you speaking about it, you're, you're putting on a platform that hopefully a lot of people down the line will listen to in New Zealand and go, hey, look, you know, there's this guy who actually gives a shit. Uh, maybe we'll call that the podcast Darren yeah. Gives a Shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I obviously, especially talking with you a few weeks ago, bro, like I sense that straight away that our values do very align, even though, like, and it's weird because until recently, obviously, we're very obsessively driven towards the same goal, um, yet I won't do that at the sacrifice of losing myself as a person. Same way with my coaching, like, you know, like, these people are like, you look this certain way and you know this much. Why don't you just mass produce your coaching and do this and set up an app and do this and this and this? And I'm like, that's not what I'm about. It doesn't motivate me. It's going to downwater my product. It's going to take away from what makes me, me. Yeah. It's not authentic to you. Um, yeah. And I think you, you, you I'll, I'll touch on it a little bit. Like uh, some people ask, you know, why when I was so close to this, the show, did I not do it? And look, I had a few health issues. I got pneumonia. Um, and then I had a few things going on and then I had some things in my, my relationship with my partner. Um, and I weighed it up and I was like, I never was going to compete this year. I was doing a mini cut and as you do mini cuts, you know, <laughs> you end up going, oh man, I'm looking pretty good. I'll, I'll do a prep. But the problem with the prep was there was never a why. And I didn't, I never looked at it going, I want to become a pro. I want to do this, this show to to win only I didn't have that for me. And as I got deeper in the prep, I kept telling myself, why am I doing this? Like I am, you know, I look and yeah. I knew I looked good. Like I looked at photos. I thought by far the best I've ever looked, but I still couldn't figure out the why. And then I sat down with my partner. I said, you know what? I don't think competing is for me. I've done it for 10 years and I don't gain anything out of it. I'm still going to bodybuild. I've still, everyone, that's, yeah. that's, that's not changing, but I've got other goals. Like I, I told her I want to break a New Zealand deadlift record. That's one of the yeah. one things I've always wanted to do. I will do it. Um, but this, the stage is not for me. And, but now I can get the same thing of like me competing and that, that, that first shows when you've done something for yourself, when I help others and go, Oh, cool. Like I had some influence. And like I said about Paris, like when he won, I was like, the, the bare minimum I did to help him is yeah. better feeling than me stepping on stage. Yeah, so. and especially, you know, like, knowing, like you did with Paris, like, what, what he's been through to get to the point to where he is now and knowing that, like, you know, um, he's, I haven't talked to him much this prep, but looking in from the outside, he seems a lot happier, a lot like more settled on what he's doing and knowing, you know, that you've had a part in that is 100%, bro. Like, that's exactly what I'm talking about when I'm talking about influence or being able to change even if it's like a little thing that will leave a lasting impact on someone and you talk you talked about georgia quickly earlier i'm just gonna bring that up too like i have obviously been very close with georgia since she was like 16 years old i've been seen her go through a lot um and she is exactly what you said like you know it's the, the way she approached that um up that day the accident after training with you and everything, she holds that training session like the most special, one of the most special things to her. She's got that dream board of all the things that mean the most to her. And there's that picture of you pushing her on the hack squat that day. And George is a very good judge of people, like uh, in terms of like knowing where someone's in the heart. So as soon as I knew that she, how much she was looking up to you, I was like, yeah, this, um, this dude's onto, the, on, he's a real guy, you know? Um, Talking about like what even what you just talked about then, like people need to be able to talk about this the, this stuff and not think that it's like you know like, that it's hard to, like that it's wrong to talk about like you that decision you made like knowing how how much you love this like even if it's the right thing to do with the pneumonia and everything I fucking respect the shit out of you for making it bro because like um. Most people would just be like, "Oh, they're gonna. Everyone's gonna think I'm a failure. Everyone's gonna think I'm weak. Everyone's gonna think I'm giving up on my dream." It's, and just keep pushing yourself miserably through prep after prep when you're like, "Why am I doing this?" Yeah. Um, but you did what, like, the harder thing to do, and not only oh, that, man. but you know, it was it was hard. It was very hard. And then, you know, I was getting a bit better, and I was like, "Ah, oh, 
and then I just stopped myself. I said, like, "Nah, mate. Like, you, you, you commit to what you you said you do. If you say you're not doing it, not doing it." And best decision I made. And the thing that like actually scared me the most is it's funny because when Ian did that, and people were like, "Oh, is it a?" Qu-? And I'm like, "Dude, I actually didn't know he had done that. Yeah. I knew that because that Wednesday night, I said to my partner, "I'm done." I'm going to post it in the morning. That's it. I'll post some photos. Um, but the amount of people that reached out to me and said what you said, I was like blown away. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't expect that at all. Mm. Um, I thought people would tell me to keep pushing through. Not one person that right. actually cares about me said to push it through. So I was like, cool, man. Like, end of the day, for me, it's like, I want to get engaged. I want to have a kid. Those yep. things now are way more important than a stage. And man, I'll, I'll still be there and I'll be watching you bloody kick ass as well. <laughs> um, but before we go, man, is there anything you want to cover or any like shout outs or any messages you have? Or No, nah, I just like, yeah, first of all, thanks to you and Strom for having me on today. And um, like I said, big thanks to um, my team and my clients for, especially over the last year, like those close to me knowing that over the last year I've been through a lot of mental health shit. Um, I've had huge changes in my life. Some of them made because of decisions I made myself. Some of them are made from being around the wrong sort of people or whatever. But um, so the people that did stick by my side and like helped me through the last year, knowing that I have I was the same person. Nothing like when you're struggling, you're still the same person deep down where it matters, and that not being judged for just being out, having to take a step back for to get yourself back on your feet. Um, so those people know who they are and I thank them. And then just um, to everyone else in the bodybuilding community, like um, just thanks for all the messages and support and stuff like that. Because when you do this and it's, you're doing it by yourself um, and you're, you're doing it, you know, you're actually 100% not, not weekend warrior shit. Like every day you're obsessed with trying to fucking get to this goal. Um, it is very lonely and like it does, people don't underestimate how... Um, like a simple message just reaching out like or checking on you or whoever it is even with people you're not that close to when you're sitting there down feeling like fuck i'm feeling alone i'm feeling like this mm. and you get that message come through it picks you up a lot and it can keep you going it can you could be feeling so shit about the way you look and you share something and then everyone's telling you the complete opposite like i don't know a lot of that stuff's like fake as fuck but like I, I do for the people like us and like you and the other people like yourself that do reach out and say genuine shit like i appreciate that stuff like it keeps me going and then you know daryl and kelsey at flex um friends and family and everything and that's about it bro good man mate look from me to you i wish you the best this prep you know it's not long left and i know how hard you work bro so you're gonna kill it um I'll stop the recording now and we can uh, sure, say, our, say our goodbyes.